Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Indeed, the example of Jesus to Allah is like that of Adam. He created him from dust. Then he said to him, Be, and he was. Surah 3, Ayah 59. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to Live in London. Before we begin, we'd like to apologize for the technical difficulties we had yesterday, which have been corrected, and inshallah, there'll be no more mishaps. Let us continue our discussion on different prophets, and tonight, inshallah, we'll be discussing Nabi Isa alayhi salam, a personality shared both by Muslims and Christians alike. But what is the reality behind Nabi Isa alayhi salam? Is he truly the son of God? What is the miracles behind his birth? His infancy, what message was he portraying and how was he tackling the Jewish laws and the Jewish theology in the temples? What was his role back then and what is his role at the end of time with Imam Zaman? Inshallah, we'll discuss this and a lot more with Dr. Sayyid Amman Akshmai. Assalamu alaikum, Sayyid. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah, very well. We ask all the viewers, inshallah, to forgive us for anything that we've ever said or in any way hurt them on these nights, um, especially the night of Qadr. Um, and we sincerely ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our transgressions as well. Thank you. Sayyidina, looking at Hazrat Isa's uh, mother, Maryam, there is a Quranic chapter actually named after her. Now, what, is, what sort of message is this portraying to the people at the time and maybe you know, even to people today? The story of Mary and Jesus is one of the most mentioned and most important stories in the Holy Quran. More than 90 times Jesus is mentioned alongside his mother or mentioned individually. One may argue that after Moses السلام, he is the most mentioned. Now, when we look at this, what we find is that there is an understanding that comes to us, which many people don't know, and that is that there's a whole chapter of the Holy Quran, which is named after Maryam alayhi salam. Chapter 19 of the Holy Quran is called Maryam. Now, when that chapter is called Maryam, on the first level, it highlights that we don't want to disregard the blessings of those who have come before us. Or the favors or the bounties of those who have come before us. Because Mary, no doubt, was a blessing in the life of Prophet Jesus and a blessing for all of us today. And so there are many non-Muslims in the world who do not know that there is a chapter named after Maryam. I think if you were to go to much of the Christian world, many do not know about Mary, about the virgin birth, about the pressures that Mary had to face, the insults, the abuses. And you therefore find that this chapter becomes of the utmost importance in our interfaith dialogue. That when we want to come together as Muslims and Christians, considering we are the two largest religions in the world, in terms of numbers, we total close to three billion people. MashaAllah. It's almost half the world. Almost half the world. When you're seeing that, therefore, there is a need for more of us to take this chapter and be able to discuss what exactly are the similarities between us and the world of Christianity when it comes to our understanding 
of the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary is so important for the Christian world. Yet the Quran has this whole chapter which discusses the greatness of this lady. Secondly, for those who say that Islam as a religion looks down at the female, when a chapter is named after a great female like Mary, it highlights to all of us that in the same way there were men in history who reached great heights, likewise there are women in history who achieved the greatest of heights as well. Sometimes in our communities it's as if it's the man who can only reach the highest spiritual levels and the female is looked down upon. Whereas in the Quran when God names a whole chapter, it also shatters on the third level the Arab arrogance at the time. These Arabs were used to burying their daughters alive. Mm -hmm. Their daughters weren't meant to inherit. The biggest sign of a jahil is when he says a female cannot inherit from her father. If ever you want to see somebody ignorant, you'll always know them by that statement, that females do not inherit from their fathers. And so these people were not even used to the fact that a female could be given a privileged position. As in, unless you were the wife of Abu Sufyan or the wife of Abu Laheb, mm -hmm. it was very difficult to have a particular position of power. Khadija salam, was a rarity at that time. Otherwise, many... Women did not have rights. Therefore, when you're naming a chapter of the Quran, Maryam, chapter 19 of the Holy Quran, you, at the time, you can imagine that when the words are revealed about Jesus' birth, and whenever Jesus is mentioned, it's always Isa, son of Mary, Isa, son of Mary. The Quran was therefore trying to highlight that you who have this arrogance towards ladies, the prophetic line continued mm -hmm through a female. So there's a number of factors as to how important it is that there was a chapter of the Holy Quran named after this great lady. Furthermore on that, looking at the status of uh, you know, uh, Lady Maryam, she's also part of the, the, the four special ladies. Um, you know, and, and I mean, what was that trying to say to, to, to us as Muslims that these four special ladies, what is their status and how important are they? Well, they, they are the greatest ladies to have ever walked on the face of the earth. The Jannah, heaven, awaits them. Heaven is honored to have them in its presence. And so when you're looking at these ladies, you find the first of them that's mentioned in the Quran is Asiya. And we looked at the wonderful sacrifice of Asiya. And likewise, Maryam salam, the way she worshipped God, but then struggled to preserve God's message, be it in the birth of her son, or be it maintaining her, her own God consciousness at a time of abuse yes. from the Jewish community, especially when the <coughs> announcement was made that she was about to give birth, you find therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places her and also Khadija and Fatima as the four greatest ladies. Now someone might ask that, what, are you saying it's only, you know, Asiya, Maryam, mm -hmm. Khadija and Fatima, there were no... no. There are others who were outstanding. Um Salama was unbelievable. Indeed. You know, Asma bint Umais, Sumayya, the mother of Ammar, the wife of Yasser. These were also great ladies. Um Ayman, the lady who looked after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family. Fatima bint Asad, the mother of Imam Ali. But Allah gives a special position and distinction to these four ladies. Yes. 
So coming to the, the time of uh, Nabi Isa alayhi salam, um, were there Christians there amongst the Arabs or was it mainly you know, monotheistic Jews and maybe some other... No, there were Christians religions? there at the time okay. amongst the Arab community. I remember reading the interpretation of the ayah and the Holy Quran, which many of us have read. And that ayah and the Holy Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, la ikraha fid-deen. There is no compulsion in religion. And there is an opinion that these verses were revealed when some of the newly reverted or converted Muslims wanted to force their Christian children or their Jewish children to come towards Islam. Now, can I force my child to become a Muslim? Can I force anyone for that matter to become a Muslim? No, I can't. The Quran says there is no compulsion in religion. If my son or my daughter has made a decision that they want to stay on the path of Christianity, I can't come and put a gun to their head because I'm a Muslim parent that they have to be Muslim. I can't come and put a sword to their head because I'm a Muslim parent that they have to be a Muslim. Therefore, what you're looking at here is that there was clearly a Christian community at the time. But what's more clear was that there was a Christian community in Ethiopia. Now we know that when it comes to famous churches, people who mention the Greek church, the Roman church, mm -hmm. and the Ethiopian church should never be forgotten. And if ever you wanted to see the Christian community at that time, then you had a Christian community in Ethiopia. When the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, his family were being tortured and in some cases were being killed, naturally the Holy Prophet, <coughs> peace be upon him and his family, wanted to find a way in which he could preserve the religion. In Mecca they were being tortured, in Mecca they were being abused. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, decides to send the Sahaba with Ja'far al-Tayyar to the land of Abyssinia. When he tells them about going to Ethiopia, he says quite wonderfully that you'll find a Christian priest there who's a humble human being. You know, the Quran loves to stress on the fact that although priests may not follow what we follow, there is no doubt that many of them are the most wonderful and humble human beings. I know people may argue, well, look at priesthood today and look at the yes. scandals of the church, but there's no doubt that there are good and bad in every position in the world and even in the world of religion. Every religious figure is open to tests and trials. But when the Quran says, The priest, the monk, these are all parts of Christianity, part of Christian teachings part of Christian authority. The Quran mentions how this journey took place to Ethiopia because there was a Christian community already there. But the Prophet had told Ja'far al-Tayyar, brother of Imam Ali go to that priest. Just because he doesn't believe in my message exactly, he's still a man of justice. And ultimately justice is a human trait which we all admire. No one likes injustice. There's no human being out there 
who will say to you, I love injustice, I admire injustice. Every human being out there yearns for justice, yearns for a world of justice, yearns to establish or be part of the establishment of justice. So what happens is that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, the Sahaba go there. Now, Amr ibn al-As leads the delegation of the Quraysh at that time. And when they lead the delegation of the Quraysh, Amr ibn al-As knows that the king of Ethiopia, that high priest of Ethiopia, he already knows the Arabs. And he knows that the Arabs, although were following Abraham, had now deviated, but they were still good diplomatic relations, one may argue. And so Amr ibn al-As comes to that priest and he's very clever because he knows what the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family, is preaching. He knows that the Prophet Muhammad is preaching that Jesus is not the Son of God, that Jesus was not crucified, that Jesus is not part of a trinity. And he's thinking to himself, well, what I could do is I'm going to come to this Abyssinian priest. And when I come to this Abyssinian priest, I'm going to focus on these things. And he does. He says to him that these people, these Muslims, they are people who do not believe Jesus is the Son of God. And they are people who do not believe in the Trinity. And they are people who do not believe in the crucifixion. So then that Abyssinian priest highlighted the humility which Christianity had taught him. What did he say at that moment? He said something quite beautiful. He said, is this what you believe? And Ja'far al-Tayyar said, yes. He said, so what else do you believe in? He said, we believe in all the prophets of God, beginning with Adam, Noah, Abraham. We believe in David and Solomon. And we believe in Jacob and Joseph. And we believe in Job. And we believe in Jonah. We believe in Moses. And we believe in Christ. Jesus, son of Mary. He said to him, you believe in Jesus, son of Mary? So, yeah. And then from there, the discussion begun about Jesus' birth. That discussion of Jesus' birth is a pivotal discussion in the Quran. The Quran wanted to be scrupulous in its detail about the birth of Christ and what took place. So you find that there was a Christian community and that's why even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, when he went to Medina, when he had to defend the land of Medina, the battle of Badr, he made it clear and God makes it clear, a church, a synagogue or a mosque, all mm. of them are houses of God and all of them have to be protected. Salawat Masajid, church, monastery, synagogue, mosque. All of them are houses of Allah and all are to be protected. Excellent. Sayyidina, going back to the birth of Hazrat Isa alayhi salam. Now if I, was to, if I may recite some of the Quran, um, Surah 19 verse 18. He said, I am only the messenger of your Lord to give you news of. A pure boy. Now, yesterday we were discussing Nabi Zakaria and his wife Anna, I believe it was, and she got shocked because she was, you know, did a manat, had had a child, thought it was a boy, it was a girl. Now we have Lady Maryam, and now she's received news of a boy. Mary, Mary, shocked by the presence of that messenger, because she used to worship in her own cloisters. 
there's certainly no one coming in there except Zachariah. Mm-hmm. So when she sees this messenger has come in, this beautiful looking messenger, she at that moment is in a state of shock because <coughs> she's thinking to herself, what's happening here? Why is this person here? And she asks him and makes it clear that, you know, fear God. Mm-hmm. Because what's taking place over here is not something that I am used to. I'm not used to the stranger entering, but it's the angel Gabriel. And this incident highlighted to us that the angel Gabriel doesn't only visit prophets of God. He can visit even the most righteous of people who have been blessed by God. Because, you know, we have a belief in the Mus'haf of Fatima. Yes. Um, and part of the belief in the Mus'haf of Fatima is that Jibra'il came to visit Fatima Zahra. And you have people out there saying, how could Jibra'il visit Fatima Zahra? This is all exaggeration. <laughs> Here, the ayah is clear. Read the ayah again. What does the ayah say? He said, I am only the messenger of your Lord. I am the messenger of your Lord. Jibra'il is speaking mm-hmm. to Maryam. So why have a doubt that Jibra'il can speak to the Ahlul Bayt salam? Therefore, he came and he gave her the news. She knew that in the progeny of hers, there was going to be a prophet. But she didn't think it was her who's going to give birth because she was still a virgin. Mm-hmm. How could she give birth when no man has Indeed. touched her? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't work in our dimensions. He's above our dimensions. When Allah wants something to happen, he'll say be, and it will be. But what about her age? I mean, there's this discussion on how old she was. And also there's the issue with, you know, the Rasulullah and, you know, him marrying women, which today would maybe consider that this is not an age of, uh, of marriage. But I think, I don't think she's older than 12 years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Christianity doesn't seem to mention that too publicly. Um, you know, because I think there is this idea that, hold on, if we say that she is 12 or 13, then the old age attack on Muhammad does not work because Aisha supposedly, the Prophet marries her in Muslim tradition, you know, in in some schools in Islam, they go so young and other schools talk of 9, 10, 11. Um, But yeah, it's a similar age. And I'm surprised that many Christians don't ever care to mention her age when God decided that she was going to carry his Messiah. Yeah. Also, why uh, a, a, you know, a miraculous virgin birth? Why not, why not have her married and, and, and have, you know, uh, give, give birth the, can we say, traditional way? Um, I think... Obviously, Allah is the best of planners. I think what's clear is that, firstly, it's highlighted the power of God uh, for a community which I think started to quarrel amongst themselves and started to neglect the message of Moses. Why send Christ unless you have a community that's not following the (coughs) teachings of Moses and has virtually forgotten those teachings? And so what you have over here with the virgin birth, is the Lord making it clear that he is the all-powerful. If he wants to, then he can allow a lady to give birth as a virgin when no man has touched her. Secondly, there's something to remember here as well, and that is, you know, that in the Quran there are a number 
of miraculous births that have taken place or incidents related to miraculous births. You know, there are prophets of Allah who God ensured their mothers did not have the signs of pregnancy when they gave birth. Um, you find there are prophets of Allah like Adam who were born with no father or no mother. Nobody ever said he was the son of God and he didn't even have a father or a mother. Um, there are animals that are born from mountains like in the story of the she-camel or you know a sheep that suddenly appears when Abraham's about to sacrifice his son. Uh, so it's not unusual. Uh, there are other miracles that have taken place. Uh, but Allah at the end of the day has the best knowledge of why the virgin birth at that particular moment. Yeah. Excellent. Say that we go to the Quran, Surah 3, verse 45. When the angels said, O Mary, indeed Allah gives you good tidings of a word from Him, whose name will be the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of Mary, distinguished in this world and the hereafter, and among those brought near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, here in the ayah, it says, describes as, as God's word. The actual Arabic they use is kalima. Yeah. Why, why use this word? I mean, is, is Allah trying to speak directly to? No, um, kalima here means the word be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he wants something to happen, he says be and it will be. Therefore, what we're talking about here is the process of creation. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the moment that he wants Christ to be born, he, all he has to do is say be and it will be. That is the difference between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With us, we can't just say to a creation, be and it will be. For those who are skeptical about how Jesus is born, you may be skeptical amongst each other as human beings because we're limited. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlimited. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-powerful. Be and it will be. Therefore, when someone says Jesus is the word of God and that means Jesus is part of God, no. The kalima doesn't mean that it's a word which is part of God's essence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he wants to create something, all that is needed to be done, he says, be and it will be. It helps us understand the creation. Yeah. Excellent. Um, viewers, we're going to go to a short break now. And inshallah, after the break, we'll continue this uh, discussion on Nabi Isa alayhi salam. Don't go anywhere. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Live in London. Let us continue our discussion with Nabi Isa alayhi salam. Sayyidina, before the break we were discussing the birth of Hazrat Isa alayhi salam. No father figure, can we say this is one of the greatest miracles and signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, no doubt it's a great miracle and sign, but to say that this is a reason that he becomes son of God was answered in the event of Mubahala. 
Once again, you asked earlier about was there a Christian community at the time who were discussing this story of Jesus when the Quran was discussing it. And we had the Christian community of Najran. There was a Christian community in Najran. And when they came to meet the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, their main ammunition was that because Jesus had no father, he must be the son of God. So when they came to meet the Prophet in his mosque in Medina, on the first day that they came, they met Uthman bin Affan and Abdul Rahman bin Auf. They asked about the Prophet, peace be upon his family. He, they referred them to Imam Ali salam. Imam Ali tells them, come in humbly tomorrow and you can meet the Prophet, peace be upon him and his family. When they come in the next day, they begin to ask the Prophet a set of questions. Now, why have they come? Because it's Amal Wafud, it's the year of the delegations. If you want to live within the Islamic State, you either continue to live as a Christian who can worship Allah as freely as they want. Um, and if you do that, you pay a jizya. There's a tax that you pay for living within the country, which countries still have until today, irrespective of whichever religion you are, you pay a tax for living within that country. country. Now, when they came to meet the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, their main weapon was... That let's see what he's going to answer when we ask him about different prophets and their fathers. So when they asked him, they said to him, who was the father of Musa? He said, Imran. Who was the father of Ismail? He said, Ibrahim. Who was the father of Yusuf? Yaqub. Who was Jesus' father? When they asked him who was Jesus' father, he said, Jesus had no father. They said that that must mean he is the son of God. The Quran replied, wait, him being the having no father is a miracle, but it doesn't make him the son of God. Why? Because there are others before him who were born without a father figure. The Quran said, Adam When the Quran said, what did the Quran mean? The Quran said the similitude of Jesus in the eyes of God is the same as that of Adam. Adam was created from dust and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the kalima be and he will be. be. Likewise, Jesus, the kalima of God on earth be and he was. Therefore, those who came and said that he is the son of God and that means that it's the greatest sign of God because he had no father. The Quran replied to this by saying, No. Interesting. Sayyidina, you and I come from a community, you could say, unfortunately, full of gossip. Now we have Maryam. She's gone. She's given birth now. Now we look at the Quran, the Quranic ayah here. On Surah 19 verse 27 Then she brought him to her people Carrying him They said O Mary You have certainly done a thing unprecedented It's as if they're trying to attack her If they're, they're trying to show shame Throw shade You can imagine how difficult it is for her When she knows that she's pregnant And she had to withdraw to a distant place now, some say the distant place is Bethlehem, which was only a six-mile journey. There are some traditions, however, which mention that the distant place was by the Forat and between the land of Karbala and Najaf. But these are all open to interpretation. She went there. 
when she went to that distant place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked after her with the palm trees, with the refreshing water. And we know today that science has shown us how much that water helps when it comes to giving birth, how good food dates are for when someone is trying to recover and gain their strength. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also informed her through Jibra'il that her son will begin to speak. Her son is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what takes place is that she gives birth. And when she gives birth, she's in this distant place. But now she has to return back to who? Return back towards her people. Now, the Jewish priests at the time, the rumor went around that Mary is pregnant and seemingly has a child. Suddenly, you know how communities are. Yes. The gossip went everywhere. People started saying, did you hear that Mary, Mary's been with someone? Mary's committed zina. Could it be? Do you know there was even an accusation that Maryam slept with Zachariah And that I've read a hadith where Zachariah goes back to his wife. And when he goes back to his wife, his wife says, don't worry. I know you're a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know you would never do such a thing. But there were rumors that were going around. And those rumors that were going around, what were those rumors saying? Those rumors were saying that <coughs> Maryam has committed adultery. And you can imagine how difficult this was. Now when she comes back into town, she comes back into town and these priests and rabbis are all getting ready to attack. This was like the golden girl of the temple, the most devout, the best reputation, virgin untouched, now she's pregnant. We want to know who slept with you. Who have you had intercourse with? Who's done this? The sign from Jesus was, Mom, point to me, I'll speak. And subhanAllah, how many times Allah shows us in Islamic history, my prophets on earth don't look at their age. When I want to, I'll bestow them with wisdom. The moment these rabbis were all on top of Maryam, and the moment all of them were like, you, O oh sister of Harun, we don't expect such a thing from you. We thought that you are somebody who is of respect. We thought that you are somebody of honor. And now we have realized that you are somebody who is somebody of great insult to our community. Do you know how hard that was for Maryam? I'm not surprised when Allah says, Jannah is for four. Asiya, the executed. Maryam, the insulted. Khadija, the patient, and the Shi'b of Abu Talib, and Fatima, the martyr. Because truly what they went through was something so difficult. You imagine a whole community gangs up on you. On one insult. And everybody's leveling that insult on you. But what got her through it? Firstly, faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah who blessed me with summer fruits in the winter, winter fruits in the summer, gave me a guardian like Zechariah. Let me speak to the angel Jibra'il. And now I trust him and his plan fully with Nabi Isa alayhi salam. She pointed at what? The baby. The baby. 
The baby straight away spoke. What did the baby say when the baby spoke? Inni Abdullah. Straight away. I am a servant of Allah. Did he say I'm the son of God? No, no. Does he ever say I'm the son of God? No. Inni Abdullah. The highest level to be a servant of God. His mom, Maryam, one of the meanings of Maryam is servant of God. Now, he's saying, I am a servant of God. Nothing more. Not son, not God, not partner of God. He has given me the book and made me a prophet. And he's made me blessed wherever I am. And he has enjoined upon me the prayers and the charitable rate while I'm alive. And to be righteous to my mother. He has not made me one indecent or overbearing who is full of animosity. Wonderful words that shocked everybody there. Nobody could come and utter a word now because they're all thinking Maryam's rep is finished. Mm -hmm. Maryam's rep is destroyed. But there's one thing which is a formula in humanity. You try and ruin someone's reputation who's a good person, Allah will look after them. You can try and destroy them. You can try and tell students to defame them. You can try and tell your congregation to make lies about them. Do as much as you want. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look after those who are sincere. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib how many years they try to destroy his reputation? How many years they tried to talk about him? How many years they insulted him? How many yes. hadiths they took away from him? He remains beloved of all Muslims in the world today, whether they believe in him as the first Imam or they believe in him as the fourth Khalifa. Those who are on the path of Allah, even if people attack them, even if people slander them, while Allah knows what they're about, Allah will look after them. Therefore, the Quran mentioned in great detail how these people insulted her, how she had withdrawn to a distant place, how she came back to Jerusalem, how she faced the attacks, and how Nabi Isa truly was a miracle of God at that moment. Glory be to Allah. Sayyidina, you mentioned Sister of Harun and the, the ayah that I mentioned, if we go to the second ayah, the following ayah, 1928, O Sister of Aaron, your father was not a man of evil, nor was your mother unjust. Sister of Aaron, which Harun are we referring to here? Yeah, it's an interesting question. One opinion is uh, she was from the descendants of Nabi Harun alayhi salam. Okay. So the brother of Nabi Musa. Another opinion is that she may have had a brother by the name of Harun. So if she's sister of Harun, it could be literally or metaphorically, it's like when a prophet is known as, you know, doesn't mean literally Shu'aib was there 24-7. He could have been in another area, but because he lived amongst them. So she doesn't have to have necessarily been the direct sister of Nabi Harun, but because she's one of the descendants, they would call her the sister of Harun. Yeah. 
Sayyidina, we have so much with our Imams. You were discussing as well yesterday about the Imams becoming Imams and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessing them with ilm at such a young age. Jesus speaking from the cradle. Is this the biggest proof that we have to support that it doesn't matter what age you are? Yeah, as you long as be, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, you could be a prophet at the age of 40 and you could be a prophet at the age of zero. Um, one may say when he says in the Abdullah Taniel Kitab, or in the case of Nabi Yahya, you could be a prophet before you even reached your teens. In the case of Nabi Salih and Ismail 13, let's not put an age on Allah's messengers or awliya on the earth. Whoever Allah wants to give hikmah to, he can give it any time. With your permission, we've got some questions there from the WhatsApp. Yes. Um, we've got some people, I've got. Ali here from Denmark and he's asking that in reference to the ayah spoken what does Messiah, Masih mean? And Masih means somebody anointed or somebody blessed. This could be literal or it could be metaphorical. Uh, Masih is mentioned in the Quran in the ayah of Wudu. Let's take mm -hmm. Masih from Masih. In the eye of wudu, you have the word masih. When it comes to wiping your head and you wipe your feet. Ya ayyuhalladheena aminu, idha qumtum ila salati faqsiru wujuhakum wa aidiyakum ila al-marafiq wa msahu biruusikum wa arjulakum ila al-kaabih. So masih is to wipe. One may be wiped or rubbed literally or metaphorically. If I say that somebody rub the head of an orphan with, let's say, an oil. They rub their head with an oil. Misah, Masih, to literally bless somebody. Or it could be metaphorically that somebody has been blessed with the touch of God on earth. And that's what he was. He was somebody blessed with the touch of God and the guidance of God. Yeah. We have uh, another question here. This is from Sister Asia from Scotland. And she's asking about the Injil. Like, what is the Injil? Is it what we have today? Can we still use the Bible as the word of God and as a book from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, Prophet Jesus is one of the Ulil Azam prophets. And these prophets come with revelation. They come with a scripture. He amends some of the teachings which Moses had brought with the Torah because the Jewish community is taking the letter of the law and have forgotten the spirit of the law. What do I mean? There are many of us, we look at the exterior of a Muslim, not the interior. Does he have a beard? He must be mu'min. Does she wear hijab? She must be a mu'mina. We don't look at whether they have a pure heart or not. Are they rude or not? Are they helpful or not? Are they charitable or not? There are many of us when we come to a particular law, you'll find that we're only concerned with the literal interpretation of that law, not whether one has understood the essence of that law. Therefore, Al-Injil, was a guidance to the lost sheep of the children of Israel who were now becoming so strict with the letter of the law 
and had forgotten the spirit of love, the spirit of forgiveness. Now, that's on the first level. Jesus comes with that in G. The Bible, Bible meaning what we have today. Today, okay, the and New Testament. One, uh, the meaning of the Bible is a library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Bible that we have with us today, those Gospels, even Christians will admit, were written by people after Jesus. If we say the earliest, let's say John, and then you've got, you know, you've got Matthew, Matthew Mark, Mark, Luke. Luke. Yes. These were written after Jesus. If you compare them with the Torah or the Pentateuch and you compare it with the Quran, those are seen as books which were revealed piecemeal to the Prophet Moses or the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his family. We agree? Agreed. Although, you know, people question, you know, Moses' death is in the is in the Jewish writings, and if his death's in there, that someone's clearly written a bit because, you know, if you've died, how you... (laughs) However, let's say that the the Torah and the Qur'an are revealed to the Prophet. The Bible that we have today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these came after. Now, someone might say, well, they were inspired, like how we have ilham, inspiration, which is given to people. Okay, they may have been inspired. And I'm not going to, you know, deny, you know, some say there's a book called Q. um, And that book, which is known as Q, is the source of the sayings of Matthew and Luke. So it seems that maybe there was a a Bible which Matthew and Luke have some of the sayings taken from the original Injil. But for us as Muslims... The Bible as it stands today, while we don't deny that there are some words which have come from the Prophet Jesus salam, we look at it more as the writings of people after Jesus. And I think no Christian can deny that the Gospels and the, and the writings of Paul and the letters, all of these came after Christ. And hence we do not necessarily take it for us as Scripture. Yes. Sayyidina, if we go to the Qur'an in regards to uh, the pregnancy of Sayyidina Maryam, uh, so Lady Maryam, um, Surah 19, Ayah 23, And the pains of childbirth drove her to the trunk of the palm tree. She said, Oh, I wish I had died before this, and was in oblivion, forgotten. I mean, it seems as if she's in despair. It seems that there's, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of um, torment. No, no, the, the pain is not uh, physical pain. The pain is what will happen when those rabbis get a hold of me. But Allah showed her with her beautiful son that he was ready to answer them. Yes. I've got another question here and this one's from, funny enough, Isa from from Birmingham. He's asking in regards to Jesus' early life and says, what was the relationship like between Hazrat Isa and his mother? Well, they're together um, in that, you know, quite difficult period. They travel with each other uh, for the first seven years of his life. They travel uh, to a number of places. Some say that they travel to Egypt. Others say they went towards the land of Iraq as well. So, you know, they're extremely close with each other for the first seven years. And then from the age of seven is when his prophethood becomes public for everybody to listen and to hear. 
Yeah. So I have a personal question myself, and that is, you know, Hazrat Isa Al Islam come and he gave teachings. What about Christianity today? I mean, who personally, who do you think is responsible, or what do you think has happened with the theology that was brought down by? Well, naturally, what I'm going to say is coming from a Muslim viewpoint. You know, I believe that Paul is is the is the main figure of Christianity today, um, and that's in our in our traditions. I don't believe that the teachings of Christianity today, when it comes to theology, are the teachings necessarily of Christ. Um, I believe, you know. A lot of the ideas about salvation and believing in the one who was crucified and the original sin and Jesus dying for our sins, I believe Paul has as much influence, if not more, than Jesus. And if you want to look in the Bible, you can see the influence of Paul. Uh, and it's not the first religion which had people come after the Messiah who uh, distorted <coughs> some of the teachings of the prophets who came before them. Yeah. Let's move our discussion on to the 12 disciples. Now in the Quran, if we look at uh, Surah Ma'idah verse 111, and remember when I inspired to the disciples, believe in me and my messenger Jesus. They said, we have believed. So bear witness that indeed we are Muslims in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do we um, you know, view the disciples and, and this notion of them even asking for food from the heavens? Yes, well... Um the disciples of Christ, you know, they have their testing moments. There's no doubt. Um, I think that is agreed upon in Christianity and in Islam. Uh, you'll find that there is amongst them, you know, the, the good ones, the pure ones. And then there are those who are tested um, with the world within which they live. You find Surat Al-Ma'idah is actually named after an incident with the disciples of Jesus. Um, Surah Al-Ma'idah discusses how the disciples had fasted for 30 days. And when they had fasted for 30 days, then after, at the end of the fast, they asked Jesus, uh, can your Lord send us down food from heaven? It showed that even them, in terms of their iman, some are wavering, some are uncertain, some believe in him wholeheartedly. Um, and they say that they want their certainty to increase by looking at this sign. And Nabi Isa alayhi salam duly asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, Allahumma rabbana anzal alayna ma'idatan minas samai. Takunu lana eidan li awalina wa akhirana wa ayatan mink wa arzuqna wa anta khayrun raziqeen. Uh, oh Allah, my master, my nourisher, send us down food from the heavens. Is this feeding of the 5,000? Is it in relation to that? Or is it totally no, this is in relation to the disciples questioning. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends them the food from the heavens. But I think amongst these disciples, as I said, there are those who had firm faith. And there, there are those whose faith was constantly uh, wavering or being affected by certain issues and I think that's where the Last Supper which we have in the Hadith literature where Jesus begins to talk to them that he's going to depart from this world there are plots to kill him which one of you there'll be one of you will be loyal to me and then there'll be one of you who'll stab me in my back 12 times will not be loyal to me so you find that 
amongst these disciples and even in Christian thought, there is a difference in terms of the levels of belief um, in, in them when they're tested with certain issues. Yeah. Insightful. Same like yesterday we discussed Nabi Yahya. Now Nabi Yahya and uh, Nabi Isa, uh, relatives, the mothers and sisters, uh, well, the auntie and mother. Um, and even in Christianity, there is a meeting between the two. Um, if, I, if my memory serves me correct, because I went to Catholic school, I think it's by the Lake Galilee, where they meet. It's, Nabi Yahya's death must have hurt Hazrat Isa, no? Yeah, Nabi Isa was an extremely soft-hearted person. Full of love, full of forgiveness. And, you know, he, he loved Nabi Yahya. He admired Nabi Yahya. Um, and so, and he, he had sent Nabi Yahya and the other disciples to go and preach to that king who wanted to marry his niece, as we mentioned mm -hmm. in the lecture on, um, on Prophet Yahya So when Nabi Yahya was beheaded and killed, that hurt Nabi Isa. And actually of the miracles which Nabi Isa has is he's able to raise the dead and make them alive with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what you have is that Nabi Isa alayhi salam on one occasion uh, raises Nabi Yahya from the dead and makes him alive. And Nabi Yahya asks him, why did you do that? And he said, because I missed you and I was so hurt by your death. And then Nabi Yahya tells him that, well, you're going to make me taste the pangs of death again. You know, it's, uh, it's not fair. But yeah, one of the miracles was that he could raise the dead and make them alive. And so therefore, uh, these miracles, which are very important for us to understand, um, he used on John the Baptist. But yes, he was definitely devastated uh, with what had happened to Nabi Yahya alayhi salam. With Hazrat Isa alayhi salam, we call him Ruhullah. Surely this confirms, you know, the spirit of God, the Holy Trinity? No. Ruhullah means Allah creates a spirit and then he infuses that spirit into the womb of Mary. Allah can create what he wants. We've repeated this a number of times in this show. Allah creates the spirit does not mean that the spirit is part of Allah. Islam completely rejects the Trinity. And the reality is that many Christians themselves admit the Trinity is a leap of faith. There are many Christians who cannot explain to you the Trinity. I remember a Christian asked Imam al-Radha What do you say about Jesus? He said, Jesus is a great prophet of God. We admire him and revere him. But we believe our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his family is greater than him. He said, why? He said, because our Prophet, peace be upon him, and his family prayed and fasted more than Jesus. So then the Christian said, how dare you say someone prayed more than the Lord Jesus? To which Imam al-Radha replied, if he is your Lord, can you tell me who he was praying to? If he is God, who is he praying to? This whole idea that he is God, but then God took a part of himself and made him a son, or he sent his son, or it's a symbolic... I think Christian theology itself hasn't come around to understanding the Trinity. This is the reality. Now, there may be people out there who have a leap of faith. There may be people out there who have a spiritual feeling about it. That's between them and God. I'm no one to... 
gets in their way, ultimately they will meet their Lord and they will answer for what they believe and whether they use their intellect to come to any conclusion that was rational. Uh, but when we say Nabi Isa is Ruhullah, Ruhullah doesn't mean that he is the spirit of Allah, a part of Allah came down on the earth. It means Allah created the Ruh, like he created the Ruh for you, for me, for others. But this was distinct in the sense that it was created because no male and female joining. But then we had earlier in Nabi Adam السلام, with no father and mother as well. Interesting. Yeah. Say, if we go to the Quran, Surah 61, verse 6, and mention when Jesus, the son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, indeed I am a messenger of Allah, to you confirming what came before me of this Torah and bringing good tidings of a messenger to come after me, whose name is Ahmed. But when he came to them with clear evidences, they said, This is obvious magic. I mean, here in the Quran, we have Hazrat, uh, Nabi Isa discussing the following. The yeah, the Muslim the belief is that Nabi Isa in spoke about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family. Um, and that he told his people that after me will come Ahmed. So he had mentioned it very clearly. Well, as I said, the Bible that we have today is the Bible written after Christ um, by disciples who in many cases had never met him um, and then dominated by a Jewish convert who suddenly becomes the base of Christian theology forever and then a number of creeds which the Romans decide are the creeds of Christianity most notably the Nicaea Creed so we believe that Nabi Isa السلام, spoke and foretold of the Prophet peace be upon him his family um, and it's interesting when the Prophet at a young age used to travel with his uncle Abu Talib and when he traveled with his uncle Abu Talib on one of their journeys to Syria they come past this monastery the priest of the monastery comes to Abu Talib and he says to him who's the young man with you? he said that's my nephew he said can you guys come around my house tomorrow? he's like yeah sure thank you next day they come when the priest looks at the young prophet, the moment he looks at him, he says to him, I ask you in the name of the idols, the prophet says, do not mention those names in front of me. Then he says to him, can I see what's between your shoulder? And he has a look. And then he says, this, was the, this is the Ahmed who Isa spoke about. Abu Talib said, and how do you know, O priest? Look, the priests know mm -hmm. about a Messiah to come. He said, firstly, when I saw him walking past the trees, the trees would bow down towards him. And in Surah Al-Rahman, we know that the stars and the trees mm -hmm. can do sujood. Secondly, when I mentioned the idols of Quraysh, he said, those are the most detested to me. A prophet of Allah would never accept those names. And thirdly, you would find that when it comes to the mark of Nubuwa, the mark of Nubuwa would be seen on the shoulders. 
That shows us that Nabi Isa alayhi salam, who had performed the great miracles that we believe in, such as walking on water. The Quran mentions that he raised the dead and made them alive. We mentioned with the story of Nabi Yahya. Those who were ill, he would cure them. Like someone who was paralyzed came to him and he cured. He cured the leper. I mean, medicine was at its peak at that time. Medicine, Hassan, was at its peak. And because medicine was at its peak, those who were rejecting him and saying, yeah, here comes the king of the Jews, here comes mm. the false messiah, those who were mocking him. And we will come to shortly about his last days and what happens. Those who were mocking him, Nabi Isa alayhi salam was able to reply to them by raising the dead and making them alive. Can your medicine do that? No. By curing those who are paralyzed, can your medicine do that? No. By curing the leper, can your medicine do that? No. By restoring the eyesight of the people. But one thing is clear. Everything he did, with the permission and from the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran always mentions the word bi'idhni, 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 bi'idhni. Without Allah's permission and Allah delegating that wilaya of creation, for example, when he was able to create, that delegation of that wilaya in its small amount, Nabi Isa always acknowledges. And in the Quran on a couple of occasions, notably in Surah 5 verse 116, he makes it clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he asks him, did you tell the people to worship you and your mother? What does he reply in Surah 5 verse 116? He says, and beware the day when Allah will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say to the people, take me and my mother as deities besides Allah? He will say, exalted are you. Exalted are you. It was not for me to say that to which I have no right. If I had said it, you would have known it. You know what is within myself and I do not know what is within yourself. Exalted are you. If I had said such a thing, you would have known it. Nabi Isa never said that he's the son of God. Nabi Isa never for a moment said that his mother is to be worshipped. Nabi Isa said, I am a prophet of the prophets of Allah. Atani al-kitab, ja'alani nabiyya. Ja'alani mubarakan aina makunt. And he prophesied, the prophet, peace be upon him and his family, will come after him. Naturally, this, alongside him speaking out against the Jewish priests, started to mm -hmm. cause tension. Now, firstly, he had amended what the Torah had taught. Secondly, he has the Injil. Thirdly, he spoke out against the men of religion. And when you speak out against the men of religion, in your religion, you're in trouble. Because the men of religion, in many cases, expect to be having their hands kissed They become Arabab. They literally reach a level of being gods. Don't take your rabbis and your priests as authorities and gods besides Allah. 
these priests of the Jewish temples were gods. Nobody could mess with them. Now Jesus was telling them that the Torah has been amended. The Injil is the way forward. After me will come Muhammad. Because of this, they begin to plot to kill him. Coming on towards the end of Hazrat Isa's life, yeah. uh, the plot to kill, the crucifixion. Now if we go towards the Quran, Surah 4, Ayah 157. And for their saying, indeed, we have killed the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. And they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him. وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ They did not kill him, nor did they crucify him. But rather, it was made to appear like that to them. The Jews were boasting, we killed the Messiah. The last of the 600 prophets of Allah who went to the children of Israel. They were happy to kill him. They told the Romans, and this is famous. The Bible mentions it and the Quran mentions it. Of course, there's no excuse to hate a religion or a group of religious people today because of this, but we're just talking history and theology. The Jews were the ones who had, at that time, plotted to kill Jesus, son of Mary. The Quran sees that the Christians who are also living at the time, we mentioned in Najran, there's Christians living in Abyssinia. They believed in the crucifixion because the belief in the crucifixion and the belief that Jesus was God and the all of this was pushed straight away. And the main architect was Paul. I've repeated this about five, six yes. times. And any Christian out there, go and study Paul. Paul is quite important. How the Bible becomes Paul and Paul's visions and Paul's worldview and Paul's letters to Corinthians, etc. Uh, a person should reflect on this. However, they decide that they'll kill him. The Quran says, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ What does this mean? Of course, I'm not going to deny some scholars in Islamic history believe that Jesus was crucified. I'm not going to say that there wasn't a single scholar who, um, who, who didn't say that he was crucified. There are some believe that, yeah, he was. And that they did not kill him, nor did they crucify means that you people weren't the ones that caused him to be killed or crucified. Okay, But the opinion in the school of Ahlul Bayt is that when the Jews and the Romans got together to kill Christ, Christ the night before the crucifixion had said to his disciples, which one of you is willing to lay down his life for me where he will be made to appear to look like me? One of them said, I will. That person who said, I will, his face would be made to appear to look like Christ. These are of the opinions that are given as to what took place. Mm -hmm. The Quran is silent on exactly who was crucified. Quran says, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّيَا لَهُمْ But in our books of Ahadith, it's mentioned. 
that it was made to appear that one of them would look like. And then Nabi Isa said, and which one of you will go behind my back 12 times? You know how the Christian world talks of Judas mm -hmm. going behind Judas. and leading them and so on. You chiefs of the children of Israel, you plan and we plan. And we're the greatest of planners. When they came to what they thought was the house of Jesus, they've come to take him. That companion or disciple mm. of Christ, his face was made to appear. And they took him and they crucified him. Some say that the person who was made to appear was Judas. That his face looked like Christ and they ended up going to kill him. And we can go into discussions here. I'm always surprised by one line in the Bible. And that is when Jesus, supposedly on the cross, he's talking to the Father up there, but he's yes. part of the Father, and the Father's down here. I, I, I get confused, but I don't want to belittle, because at the end of the day, theologically, a person has their own belief systems, and I don't want to belittle anyone, but I've never understood. What's going on? And I've never understood why Jesus, if you ask many Christians, what was Jesus' mission? They'll say, Jesus came to die for our sins. You agree? Don't, isn't that the line you always that's say? Yeah, that's what they say. He came to die for our sins. And any martyr, normally when they're dying, they're very, they're very passionate about saying we've fulfilled what God wanted. Mm. So when Sayyidah Zainab sees Imam al-Hussein dying, she'll say, Allahumma taqabbal minna hadha al-Qurban or hadha al-Qaleel. Accept this sacrifice from us. But whoever that Jesus was on the cross, according to the Bible, he says, my Lord, my Lord, why, why hast thou forsaken me? me? Firstly, who's he talking to? If he's come down onto earth, who's he talking to? Secondly, if he's come to die for our sins, why is he talking about being forsaken? So they said, no, that's the human side of Jesus now talking. Bro, I'm baffled. I must admit, I'm baffled. And I don't want to, again, make fun. Mm -hmm. I don't mean this in any way of belittling, but I'm confused. Believe you me, if people can send me good arguments on this whole issue of my Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? Yeah, but you're happy to die for my sins. I'm supposedly born a sinner because I have to bear the guilt of a crime where I wasn't at. There's a murder in Chicago, but I'm a sinner because I'm in London. Adam ate from a tree and he becomes a sinner and now we're all sinful. Okay, okay, let's accept that theology. But Jesus, when he's dying, he's like, my Lord, my Lord, why me? But hold on. The whole aim was that you were going to die for us. So why is there a confusion now? No, that's the human Jesus. Human. God, God, human. It's baffling. It really is. Quran says, وَمَا قَتَلُهُ وَمَا صَلَبُهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ Well put forward. Sayyidina, we're coming towards the end of the show. And it is Laylatul Qadr. A lot of people will be going towards the mosque to change their destiny, pray for the future. And the future has prophesied an imam to come and also for Jesus to return. So what is Jesus' role when it comes to imamism and the reformation of this world? We pray on a night like this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us to be able to see Jesus son of Mary and to be able to see Imam al-Mahdi uh, That would be a great honor for all of us, especially on this night of Qadr. That Allah blesses us to be amongst them when they firstly bring justice on the earth. Secondly, the removal of injustice. Thirdly, 
judge people the way Dawood judged people with justice from their books. Um, half the world or quarter of the world is a Christian community. And we believe that Nabi Isa will make clear the true teachings of Christianity um, under the guidance of the son of Fatima Zahra. For even when Nabi Isa is about to lead prayer, he says, You lead. Imam wants him to lead. He says, No, you lead. Mm -hmm. Interesting that an Imam of Ahlul Bayt leads a Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Salah. And this is seen within the literature of the Muslims. And that the Dajjal system will be ended by Nabi Isa alayhi salam. That system which is a corrupt system, a system that seeks to kill and destroy all the messages of the Lord. And that the original spirituality <coughs> of the Christian faith re-emerges with Jesus Son of Mary. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to be alongside Nabi Isa and alongside Imam Sahib al-Zaman when they both reappear as saviors in the truest sense of the word for humanity at large. Inshallah, tomorrow we'll end with our Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family. Inshallah, thank you very much, Sayyid. God bless you. And thank you to all the viewers. Thank you for your messages, your comments, your questions. And inshallah, we'll be here tomorrow with a new discussion on the Prophet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Next up, inshallah, later on, we will be having live amal from London and Karbala. So this night, this holy night of Laylatul Qadr, please join us where we will be uh, at 10 p.m. UK time where we will be um, broadcasting the amal from London as well as Karbala. Inshallah, you can join us then. Until tomorrow, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.